0: Hi, my name is Queen Zoeya Counts and I would like to welcome you to my podcast, Evil Lives Amongst Us, African American True Crime. Yes, I love true crime stories, but very seldom do I hear true crime stories about African Americans. So I created this podcast to share with my listeners about the true crimes that African Americans commit. So sit back, lend me your ears, and listen to some of the most horrendous crimes committed by African. My name is Queen Zawiyah Counts and I would like to welcome you to my podcast. Evil lives amongst us. True crimes of African Americans. Have y'all ever heard of Marie Dean Arrington? She is classified as a murderer. Her characteristics is parasite, which means revenge. We got so many of these sides, so... Doing this podcast, I have come to learn what these sides mean. So parasite means revenge. Her number of victims was two. She committed these murders way before I was born. So she committed these murders in 1964 and April 22nd of 1968. She was born August 8th, 1933. The two people that she is accused of killing is her husband and Vivian June Ritter, 37 years old, who was the secretary of the Lake County Public Defender. Her method of murder was she shot them. Location was Volusia County, Lake County, Florida, United States of America. Her sentenced, she was sentenced to 20 years in prison on May 22nd, 1968. Then she was sentenced to death on December 6th, 1968. Then she was sentenced to life in prison on August 28th, 1972. So why were we going through so many different sentences for this woman? Let's find out. So in 1969, she became one of the first women to be placed on the FBI 10 Most Wanted Fugitives. At first, she was originally sentenced to death for the murder of the Florida legal secretary. Now, the reason why this is about revenge is because Marie killed the Florida legal secretary who worked for a public defender who unsuccessfully represented her two children on felony charges. So she killed this woman because the woman didn't do a good job representing her children who were in jail on felony charges. Hmm. But the story gets a little bit deeper than that because see what happened in 1969 While she was awaiting execution. Now, remember she got sentenced to death in December of 1968, right? So in 1969, while awaiting execution, she was in her pajamas. She cut through a window screen and fled. So she escaped prison, right? See, she won't play in that, Like You know, I'm gonna kill you because you didn't represent my children, but y'all think I'm gonna sit in here and die. Now that ain't happening. I'm getting up out of here. So she got up out of there, but she was caught in 1972 and then they added 10 additional years for her escaping but then her death sentence was changed to life in prison because the Florida Supreme court struck down the capital punishment as unconstitutional. And right now she is still in prison. So even, so even though she escaped prison, she still escaped her death, right? So because they did away with the death penalty in Florida. So they, when they caught her and brought her back, They could only give her life in prison because capital punishment was gone. So she had escaped. She was on the FBI's 10 most wanted list. And then they gave her 10 years for escaping. She got 20 years for manslaughter and that was for the death of her husband. So she didn't get life. Now check this shit out. She didn't get life for killing her husband, but she got life for killing the the secretary of the public defender. I mean, death. I'm sorry. Forgive me. She, I'm getting all confused because this don't make no damn sense. So she doesn't get life for killing this second woman. She only gets 20 years for killing her husband, but they give her the death penalty for killing the second woman. Let me, let me, let's, let's do that again. So She gets 20 years for killing her husband, first degree murder, but for killing this woman as, as revenge or whatever, they give her the death penalty, but then she escapes. And so then when she escapes, was this, did she know this was happening? I mean, you know, inquire minds want to know, but after she escaped, they found her in Louisiana let me put that to you. But after she escaped, they did away with the capital punishment, the death penalty, put it to you that way. So now she's serving life in prison. And as of this story, she's still alive, but we'll see what goes on. She was waiting the execution and the brutal murder of the Florida legal secretary. The victim's bullet riddle body was crushed when it was ran over by a car several times. So not only did she shoot her multiple times, she shot her multiple times. Then she ran her over with her car, but she escaped and that that's what put her on the FBI's top 10 list. And then she was apprehended in new Orleans in 1971. So she escaped in 69 was captured two years later brought back now who told on her because she was gone for two years before they even found her so somebody had to tell on her like something happened but by the supreme court stricken down striking down the, the capital punishment she was put in prison and so this is this is crazy right It's really crazy. It says that on April 22nd, 1968, she drove her 1965, the year that I was born white Chevrolet to work at the public defender's office. So she was actually working in the office. And in the early afternoon of that day, it was discovered that the deceased was missing from the office and certain evidence indicated an abrupt departure. A search for her whereabouts proved fruitless. Then on April 27th, 1968, the badly decomposed body of the deceased was discovered several miles away from Leesburg, Florida. There were several witnesses who gave testimony which linked Marie with the crime. It goes on to say that a taxi driver dropped off a half a block from the public defender's office in the morning of April 22nd. Shortly thereafter, and an insurance agent who knew the deceased personally testified that as he was passing the office in his car, he saw the deceased and Marie enter into the Ritter car by themselves. But then around noontime, the Ritter car Passed through an orange grove on a narrow road. The car resembled one which workers in the grove were expecting. Hmm. Their supervisor walked over to the road to meet it. And as the car came closer, the supervisor observed it closely and realized that it was not the one which it was not the one which the workers were expecting. Hmm. So the car passed at moderate speed, not more than three feet from the supervisor. But at the trial, the supervisor testified that she saw the deceased Anne Marie alone in the car. Within an hour, the grove workers heard shots. So she didn't even care if somebody saw her in the car. Don't this sound like a damn movie? She ride past these people walking out there in the orange grove or working there. The supervisor sees them in the car, they drive right by, and then a few minutes later, they hear gunshots. Other witnesses testified that they saw Marie driving alone later in the day in a white Chevrolet. Marie's mother testified that she picked up Marie several miles from Leesburg and that Marie left a white Chevrolet when she entered her mother's car. Marie's landlady testified that she once gave Marie a 22 caliber revolver with which Marie never returned to her and ballistic tests established that the woman that Marie killed had been killed with the 22 caliber revolver. So all this evidence against her, people saw her. Some people saw the lady in there. Some people saw her leaving This is what we get. Police go on to testify that Marie presented herself to the police and she led them to an envelope, which had been secreted under a bathtub in the house where Marie was staying. The envelope had personal effects of the deceased that she killed in an unsigned letter addressed to the public defender. The letter stated that Mrs. Ritter would be murdered unless three unspecified persons were released from custody. So now she got blackmail. She got murder. Then she showed him the letter that she wrote saying that if her people won't release from jail, that they was going to kill Mrs. Ritter. The officials testified that Marie told them that she had been given this letter by certain other persons whom she could not identify for her delivery to the public defender, and that she thought the police would want to know about it. So people see her in the car with this woman, so now she's trying to throw this off of herself, right? She's trying to say, Oh no, someone else gave me this letter. This is what I I was just doing it for somebody else. Oh, it didn't have anything to do with me. But the prosecution began to theorize it, and they said. That the that Marie was dissatisfied with the convictions of two of her children, who had been unsuccessfully <coughs> defended by the deceased's employer, and that this dissatisfaction led to the abduction of the deceased and her eventual murder by Marie acting alone and by herself. Without a reasonable doubt, the jury returned a guilty verdict, and mercy was not recommended. Marie raised several points while she was on appeal because on she wanted this to be appealed. The only points warranting in discussion are those involved in Marie's offer to stipulate as to the identity of the corpse thought to be that of the deceased and the cause of the death. What other things could she have stipulations for? There were none. She even pleaded not guilty. She said she didn't do it. She didn't do that. She didn't kill that woman. She didn't she didn't shoot and kill her husband. She didn't do none of it. But the jury found her guilty. They go on to say that she was saying that she did not even know the identity of the kids. Those was not her kids. But then they had a doctor that come in, a physician that came in and said that they were. They were. They said that there was some evidence that said that the prosecutor in this case told the jury in an open argument that he would prove the identity of the victim by her dentist, which he did. And went on to say that her fingers was taken from the body and matched with the fingers that was taken from the birth certificates of Mrs. Ritter's children. So she cut this woman's fingers off. She was really trying to maybe, you know, some of these CSI uh, TV shows won't out back then. Probably, you know, they won't. But she was cutting off the fingers because she didn't want them to identify her. So she was really working on trying to get this done. But when they took those those fingerprints, because they took her fingerprints back then when she had them babies, they matched. So there was nothing that this woman could do. But she was determined. You know, she was determined that she was not going to go to jail For shooting and getting rid of this woman. But even her husband. Now, you know, we'll get back to her husband. But I see right here that she was not that smart. And I'm not trying to be mean when I say that. But she was not that smart. Like she was trying. I, I give her that you know, and, and I'm not pulling for her. Don't get me wrong. I'm not pulling for her. I don't want to pull for her. But all I want to say is that she really was trying to get away with it. She was trying to get away with it. But I guess, you know, it didn't work. But she was trying. So did. So a lot of times we be thinking that we're going to get away with stuff. But we don't really get away with it, right? We think that we are, but we wasn't. She was 35 years old. You know, she was taking, she had been taking matters into her own Hands for her whole life. Like she was forced to do a lot of things. She was 35. She had been committing crimes for over a decade. It goes on to say that when she was 23 years old, working at a motel as a maid, making 75 cents an hour for scrubbing floors, she realized she could make a lot more money for robbing. So she robbed the motel instead. She robbed her boss. She tied herself to a chair. And then when the police was robbed, she said that she was a victim of the robbery. She might've gotten away with it if it weren't for her one weakness. She liked to smoke cigarettes and there was cigarette butts all around the chair. And they asked her, how was you able to smoke cigarettes if your hands was tied? And then she confessed to doing the robbery. So during that time, She was only getting paid 75 cents an hour for scrubbing floors. Can you imagine getting paid less than a dollar an hour for scrubbing floors? But back then, of course, you know, your money went a far, you know, went far, went a long way. Then she began to get into more problems. Because she was facing the electric chair, but she'd been put in a minimum security room in the prison hospital at the Florida Correctional Institute for Women at Lowell. And even though the man who prosecuted her had protested saying she was dangerous and will kill again, she looked around the wrong room. She was like, okay, she got to get the work. And they said that it was like she just flew out of there. Like she was, I'm getting out of here. This one, she was smart to a certain extent. So let me say that. She was born on August 8th, 1938. She was black and Leesburg was segregated at the time. So here she is growing up in an area where whites colored only. That's the area she grew up in. She refused to say anything about what happened in her earlier years. Even her sister wouldn't talk about their childhood either. It was the past. They didn't want to talk about it. She said she was never handed anything. So everything she got, she had a fight like hell for. So that means that she went through a whole lot in her family life. We can't even say whether or not she was molested or not because they refused to talk about it. But just listening to what she was saying when she decided to do an interview with um, journalist Gary Corsair in 1973, she declared. I was never handed anything, everything I ever got. I had to fight like hell for it. But she was often fighting for the wrong things. One of her classmates described her as being a peculiar person. Somebody said she was a bad seed who didn't get very much parental supervision, which led to a lot of drinking and she was running around with a bad crowd of people. In her 20s, she committed forgery at age 22, assault at 23, larceny and robbery at 24, right and bad checks at 28, back again to larceny and vehicle theft at 31. So when it came to her committing crime, she wasn't picky about her victims. She forged her own sister's signature once to steal money from her bank account and her sister seemed almost impressed saying Marie can imitate anybody. If she see your signature one time, she will imitate yours. But most of the people who knew her seemed To know that she was not to be trusted. No one had anything good to say about Marie. Because she did so many bad things. That nobody had anything good to say about her. And so that's why a lot of people were kind of like assuming that. By her going through all of these things in life, she had no other choice but to be the person that she was. But maybe she didn't. Maybe she did. We never know why people commit crimes, especially when it comes down to us understanding why women do it. We don't know. Now, when we start talking about why she killed her husband. Now, now listen to this. Okay. Listen to this. So her husband. Her first conviction occurred in 1964 for the killing of her husband, Lester Jack Arrington. Jack, 34, he was a former policeman and a bouncer at a nightclub in Miami. Jack was killed on July 4th, 1964 on Bethune Beach. Arrington turned herself in the following day, confessing to shooting her husband. And during the trial, Arrington claimed that the shooting was an accident. While her lawyer claimed self defense as Jack had become violent with her while the two were arguing in their car. This resulted in her shooting him. Nathaniel Powers, a witness at the scene, told police that he broke the couple up after he saw Jack choking later in the front seat of the car. He was choking her. But as the police were unable to locate the weapon, Arrington was found guilty of manslaughter instead of more severe charges and sentenced to 20 years in prison. Arrington would later admit in 2012 interview that she had buried the gun with her husband. (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I take that back. She was she was kind of smart, right? She was kind of smart, but what her two children did in 1967, her son, Lloyd Dean robbed a gas station with a friend in Leesburg, Florida. No one was hurt and only $60 was stolen, but her son was represented by public attorney Bob Pierce, who advised him to plead guilty. He pleaded guilty and was sentenced to life in prison in 1968 at the age of 18. For breaking into a gas station. Now, mind you, this is in the 60s, so you know they was handing down long sentences to black people. Let's just keep it real. Let's just keep it real. He was sentenced to life in prison in 1968 for stealing $60. While his friend only received probation, Pierce had also represented Arrington's daughter on unrelated fraud charges and even those unrelated fraud charges led her daughter into receiving jail time so i can understand her being upset like her son she done got put in locked up and accused of stuff but her son 18 years old still 60 dollars no one was hurt period, and gets life in prison at the age of 18, and then her daughter, unrelated fraud charges, end up going to jail. I guess it's like mother, like daughter. I guess it's like mother, like daughter. That's all I can say. I guess it's like mother, like daughter, like son, like mother. Whatever she was teaching, it seemed like they was following down her path. Was she Was she having some sort of gang with them? We don't know. We don't know. But Arrington went to Pierce's office with the intention of killing him, but he wasn't there. So what she did, she took the secretary instead. They even had a psychic. They even called a psychic to come in and help find the secretary. And then her car was discovered two days after her disappearance, blood stain and the body of Ritter who had three children was found three days later in the woods several miles away from Leesburg. She ran her over and she shot her several times. Prior to the capture, Arrington burglarized. She broke into the house. Now listen to what, what she done did now. She broke into the house of the judge who had given her son, his life sentence. When she was captured, investigators discovered several notes in her room and in her clothing. And the notes threatened to kill the judge's wife. And to dismember Ritter if law officers did not back off and release her children from jail. So she was being very desperate. And it was her landlord who gave her the gun. But she did escape. She did. And like I told you guys earlier, when they found her and brought her back, they gave her life. So earlier, I was telling you that was she still serving life? Maybe she was, maybe she wasn't, and that we would see. So now getting to that, in May 10th of 2014, in Marion County, Florida, from which she did escape, she died. And she was 80 years old when she died. But in 1969, She became the second woman to be placed on the FBI's most wanted list. Marine Dean Arrington. My name is Queen Zoaya Counts, and I would like to thank you for listening to my podcast. Evil lives amongst us. True crimes of African Americans. Peace.